Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is Toj. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. Welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. Designer and writer of 5e-compatible adventures for Verge Games, and hopefully my new DM and best friend. It's Josiah Martindale! Yay! Yay! (laughs) How are you, sir? I'm doing wonderful, Todd. Thank you so much for the introduction oh. and the Muppet hands. Yes, yes, absolutely. Everyone deserves to be introed by Kermit at least once. <laughs> at least once. Yeah. Uh, so we, this is actually the first time we've met and uh, in, uh, in this, in digital space, we haven't met face to face or anything like that, but uh, I- One step from the holodeck. Yes. Well, dangerously close. We are just dangerously, dangerously <laughs> close. That's true. <laughs> But uh, I became aware of you through your work with Verge Games um, some time ago. Uh, I think late last year is when uh, Christmas mm-hmm. Carol hit the hit the internet, hit um, specifically Instagram ads, which is where I stumbled across it. And, well, it uh, hit it a couple times, but it hits every Christmas. It does uh, fairly well around that time. Nice. Yeah, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't it? Um, but yeah, I, I got it and read it. And man, it is a blast. Uh how did uh, just briefly, because we'll we'll plug Verge a little bit uh, a little bit later, but just briefly for the folks, like how did that come to be? Like how did how does this all work? Like you don't work for you don't work for D and D. You actually own your own company. Is that yep, am I yep. am I hitting that? You absolutely do. D, uh, this is a very weird space. D and D has an open games license, the OGL, which allows people to make third party content kind of unofficially. Nice. Uh, and a lot of people do that and they make stuff that is mostly terribly broken and just absolutely banned at every table ever. Uh, <laughs> but I thought it'd be a really good idea to try and make my own adventures and sell those. And so we made Verge Games, uh, put together an adventure for uh, the Christmas Carol. I like and actually put it together uh, into a whole book with adventures and maps and the characters and the monsters and everything. And uh, then just put it on Kickstarter and then it's been selling it ever since. You know, ordering things from Instagram is always a bit of a mixed bag, but I got to say, man, I, you know, I was prepared to, you know, get into it and I've, you know, I've read indie comics and, you know, a lot of indie novels and stuff like that. And it's just, and it's all like, oh, you can tell this person's super passionate, but it's just, it's just super sucks. Yeah. It's really (laughs) just not great. But I got to say, like, uh, the Christmas Carol adventure is so good. It's really, really good. I, <laughs> I, and like, it just, like, I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but I just sat and read it um, as someone who's interested in the game and interested in eventually DMing. Um, it is such a good read. And so it's so accessible because I, I consider myself a very, a very new player. And this was like, Oh, I get this. I see how this works. And like, 
the and it's it's a compelling narrative that you've constructed so man that's awesome that's so Thanks, so Brad. cool that makes me blush a little bit I, yeah. it's kind of hard it's kind of hard to sit here and just have someone praise you and think <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> well um, let's, you know the reason we're the reason we're here today is because like i i messaged verge about like um you know uh, some customer service type stuff just to you know establish that back and forth and i said and just casually just said hey if anybody there is a fan of star trek let me know i'd like to have him on my podcast and i'm not sure who emailed me back i'm not sure if it was you or if it was somebody it was me else. was it you oh, yeah. okay yeah, it like, was me it turns out the author of christmas carol is a big fan <laughs> like okay yeah <laughs> ironically not as big a fan as my partner tj who is really? an engineer and he yeah he just devours star trek and he can practically quote them back and forth but uh he didn't answer the email so suck it yeah (laughs) (laughs) well hey uh you know put out the word we'll have we'll have the whole verge crew on we'll do a we'll do a big block for verge uh he'd love it he'd love it he'd have a blast with it absolutely um so uh (laughs) knowing that you're a big fan of star trek let's let's start at the beginning do you have an early star trek memory of someone who introduced it to you like those early things uh you know know, impressed on you at a young age that was probably to me star trek was always something that i caught on tv and i I normally end up just watching the episode or something like that it was always always the picard ones Mm. with discovery um it uh i'm sorry uh, uh next generation yeah yeah um uh, it, it was always Picard, and I gotta say, it was probably just Picard himself, the guy who basically elevated Star Trek almost single-handedly. Yeah, because he—he just—it uh, was the '90s, and he was just so on. He just took it so seriously, you know. He was like, sin- like not seriously, sincerely. Yes, yes, absolutely. and it was like. Uh, I always laugh when I look back at the eighties and like everything was just so ridiculous in that time period. But one thing I loved about it was the music because no matter who was singing, they sang it with 100% sincerity. There was no eye rolling to it. There was no bitterness about the world to it. They were 100% sincere that they were born in America, that, uh, what's love got to do yeah. all these things and whatever it was it was the sincerity and you just look at picard and him doing that and he's like this man believes he is on a ship flying through space solving philosophical problems and yeah. trying to keep a crew alive oh my and, gosh. and but you know without being shatner <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly i uh yeah, I, I told somebody else this and it really you know it really didn't hit home until i started doing this doing this show and of course you know, all the new Trek that's coming out now and, you know, including Picard. And uh, I, I look back because my dad actually kind of looks like Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was uh, it was kind of interesting because, um, you know, my father and I've joked about it in my I've joked about it in my stand up, you know, the Vietnam veteran who became a Baptist minister. So childhood was real fun. Um, but yeah. Uh, you know, Jean-Luc Picard was the calm, steady, stern uh, voice that I needed as a young man growing up. And it was just kind of like, oh, like that's 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 what a man is like there. There's a few there's a few instances throughout pop, pop culture, at least in my experience of like them showing you like this is what a man is. And, you know, some of those things sunk in, some of them got chipped away to form who I am today. Sure. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Jean-Luc Jean Picard. 
Yeah. Cannot was... agree with you more on that one. Yeah. One of the things that always irked me in a long time about Hollywood is that they have no good, no good examples of men or fathers. You know, like they, they just don't. Yeah. Like since the time of the Simpsons, they were bumbling fools. And don't get me wrong, you can make bumbling fools and make them very, very good and yeah. very enjoyable. Yeah. But it's just like <laughs> none. Just yeah. none. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, that was yeah, that you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I just between Jean Luc Picard and uh, again, as a young man, we're, we're roughly about the same age. And yeah, uh, you know, Deanna Troy was also um, <clears throat> was also a deciding factor in a young, young <laughs> Todd A. Davis's life. It was, I, I've, I've referred to there's certain women in pop culture that are, you know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, paint them as you know certain things but it's kind of i i i've been referring to them as deciders when presented it's more like how do we feel about this and when presented with deanna troy i was like okay yeah i see where you're going with this <laughs> <laughs> and i i met and my wife of her of course heard me say this and she was like who else <laughs> I, said, I said well do you really want to know she's like yeah <laughs> i go jessica rabbit <laughs> she's like okay that's fair <laughs> deeply disturbing yeah jessica yeah. rabbit deeply disturbing <laughs> but anyways so uh yeah so you're a next gen kid uh is there i mean picard is so i assume picard is your captain yeah i would definitely say picard i okay. would definitely have to say it's just it's 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 kind of unfair to a lot of other people that that's yeah. that's just uh it's hard to beat that. Yeah, there, there, that, that crew, that crew had so many things covered on so many different fronts. It's mm-hmm. they, they are the ultimate adventuring party because they, they tick so many boxes. <laughs> they like, really, yeah. They, I, and to be fair, I try and not, I try and remember this. It's never fair because there are a lot of good actors. Like uh, uh, one of my favorite examples is Idris Elba. Yeah. Idris Elba is a really good actor. Name me a movie that he's been in that's been a good movie. Kind of hard to think of one, isn't it? Off the top of my head, yes. Yeah. Uh, although, it's, yeah, I mean, he's been in, uh, you know, he was in yeah. the Thor movies and, and uh, no, 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 Star good. Trek Beyond. You know, in almost but... everything you see him in, you like him. He does good, but he's never in something that is good. And that holds him back. Oh, okay. um, All right. All right. Uh, uh, Picard, a lot of the, the, the love of Picard completely brought to life by the actor um patrick stewart but a lot of the credit goes to the writers a lot of the credit goes to the writers he it's a it's one of those we talked about this once before where it was the writer the director and the actor and those are the three core things that make something come together for a tv show or a movie Mm -hmm. uh you can have the greatest actor in the world uh, but i've seen the greatest actors deliver the worst lines and it's painful yeah uh, and it, if you don't light it right, uh, uh, what was Les Miserables, a wonderful example of a director gone wrong. Really? Um, uh, someone had to point this out to me uh, because I'm not a film person with a camera. I don't understand that stuff as very well. But uh, when they, the, the distance they had, you have a close up, you have an yeah. emotional moment there. Far away, they feel distant. When they're in the middle, as they are shot in that movie, every single scene, there's nothing. Oh. It was, it was like, doesn't matter how good the actors are. doesn't matter how good the dialogue is. And, you know, it's a classic novel. So yeah. The, 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 it was there. The actors don't seem to have failed, but you screw up one part of three and you can completely fail it. Yeah. I would never say that in Star Trek, they had great 
uh, camera work or anything fancy like that. But they still were really good on all the other fronts and the directing was passable. Yeah. At the very least. So, yeah, you know, everything was very uh, everything was very procedural until, you know, TNG started playing around with some different camera angles and some different camera tricks. Of course, they had, you know, digital effects, whereas the original did not. Yeah. And and yeah, and techniques and the technology was getting better in of itself, of course. Right. And then I think, you know, and this leads me to my next thing is, uh, you know, J.J. Abrams' Star Trek really kind of broke the idea of like what Star Trek is. And he kind of showed it what it could be. And you mentioned uh, Idris Elba not being in anything good. Do you not like Star Trek Beyond? I don't have as much experience with it. Okay, uh, all it, right. It, it, one of the reasons that I always, I think it didn't stick as well with me is I didn't have a lot of friends when I was really young. So I didn't have friends who would also be big Trekkie fans. So it's okay. hard to geek out over something quite as much. Um, but I, I'm not going to bash it. I'm just saying that there's always Idris Elba, normally a really good actor has a really good movie behind them that you know of that you think oh that's their thing and that just kind of boom right uh uh the the sherlock show for uh i just his name just blanked on me benedict cumberbatch thank you benedict cumberbatch yeah Uh, ryan reynolds had deadpool which was just of course perfect for him uh, tom hanks uh has like well tom hanks had a lot of really good movies that defined him yeah Uh, tom cruise had top gun it's just like they're in mission impossible like this is their movie. You can see them in other things and they're good, but like, this is the one like, boom. I am still waiting for Edis Elba to have that happen for him. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause I mean, I, they've been, uh, you know, teasing the fans for a long time of like, Oh, he's going to be the next James Bond. Like I, God, I, I hope so. <laughs> I, think, I think that would be interesting. Like, why not? Like at, considering everything that the James Bond franchise has had over the, Oh, I don't think it would be. I, I'm not saying it's impossible. I just maybe he could make that work. Maybe that could be the thing for him. Maybe yeah. it could. I, maybe. I'm not saying it couldn't, but I'm like, I don't understand why I keep seeing him in so many things and liking him, and then just not the movie, yeah. not the show, whatever yeah. it is. I mean, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. I'm like, this guy's really good at what he does. Yeah. Oh, very, why? Very good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, a problem. Even even stuff that. Even stuff that it's like, okay, there's no way he's going to be good in this. Like he's in the Fast and Furious franchise. Hobbs and like, Shaw, exactly like, what I was like, thinking. Really, about. Hobbs like, and Shaw. but he's still he's really great in it. He's really none really of good. this makes sense. None <laughs> of this makes sense. But that's just kind of the way it is, you know. Yeah, Patrick yeah. Stewart became Picard, and yeah. it was like one of those lightning in the bottle perfect moments. Yeah, uh, much like how like the block. Uh, ghostbusters movie it was perfect the right people in the right role yeah yeah really and that those things are so those things are so rare especially nowadays like where it's just we're so inundated with all types of media that it's it's really hard when something hits and it hits like i still you know to and don't get me wrong i love the movie um but that first trailer for uh the batman with the uh oh the new one 
Yeah, for the new one where he where he hits that dude like seven times and breaks <laughs> his arm. Like it, it was such a it was such a well put together trailer that I I was I, you know what I was like honestly part of me doesn't even want to go see the movie. This trailer is so good. I don't want this to ruin the movie for me. It, it doesn't live up to the trailer. It, it's not a bad movie, not by all means, but it doesn't live up to that trailer. Uh, you know that that I, like. I, I'm a huge Batman fan from the word go. I have a tattoo. I'll leave it at that. Um, so I will say, I will say, I will say that the Batman discussion is definitely either the after show discussion or maybe a, uh, a separate sure, sure. bonus sure, episode. Sure. No, no problem. No problem on that one. I, I totally get you on that. But uh, uh, yeah. So, okay. So you're big on, you're big on Picard. And um, honestly, I, you know, who isn't there it's he's i i remember i remember when wizard magazine do you remember wizard magazine i do remember wizard magazine i remember there was a spot in there that was like if if patrick stewart is not hired to play professor xavier we will riot and i was like yeah like try to think of someone else who could do that role the way it needs to be done and i was like no, yeah, it's, no. it's patrick stewart all day long i mean Sometimes. don't get me wrong james mcavoy is a great actor and has done well with what he's been given it's it's good it's not patrick stewart <laughs> no sorry no, it's like it, it, it's just some things are not some things are not hard to figure out you know yeah. the right person at the right time it's like a, a, a i i'm a i love a ryan reynolds stuff and he's stupid and ridiculous but i, I love it and it's like when you you like you heard of ryan reynolds and deadpool i was like for years you heard that before it actually happened you know i look at my friend like well yeah obviously yeah that would be perfect and was like without question van, <laughs> van wilder why wouldn't he yeah yes exactly <laughs> it's just there are some things that are really easy i think that uh it, it, the, the current state of things and how the, the the general problem I feel a lot of the time is that the writing just isn't up to chop. Uh, and that's unfortunate, really, yeah. because it, it, there's no excuse for it. Otherwise, it's just poor writing. Right. And I think I think that's what and this is I swear this is the last thing I'll say about Batman. But I think that is what sets that new movie apart is it wasn't trying to be any type of the comics that had come before. It was staying true to the spirit of the character and letting the story unfold based on this set of circumstances and these characters that we know so well, much like with D&D, because mm -hmm. if, if you've got, if you've got solid characters, if your character is well thought out, well fleshed out, and you've got, and it's solid together and you've got a good set of circumstances to put those characters in the story will unfold naturally they say uh -huh. that with, with most good uh -huh. narratives you need the uh -huh. three you need uh -huh. three things good characters plot and story and um yeah if you if you've got two the third one will almost write itself um, yeah, that's a good point i actually was had that discussion not too long ago about the batman one like i think the only problem with this movie really in the end was that they had nothing to say it just kind of it's like it was, it was like there's no theme to this there's no like a thing that brings it all together. Like okay. the greatest Batman movie, The Dark Knight, was about uh, the great line from was from Two Face. We were decent. We were trying to be decent men in indecent times. Um, and that, that that's the entire movie. They're trying it, yeah. to do what is right in a time that is not right. I think and how hard that was. Yeah. But in this one, it's just like 
there are some bad people doing bad things and you stop them. I think if there is a theme to be gleaned from this new Batman movie, I'm already breaking my promise of, you know, yeah, it's going to happen. Batman. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, 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 it's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's my show. I can do whatever I want. Um, Damn so straight. I, I think if there is a theme to be gleaned from this new Batman movie, it is that um, it, it, the idea of making something for yourself, breaking away from your parents. And I think there's a parallel to be drawn between this Batman movie and the Batman movies that have come before. Oh, and, I can totally grasp that. Sure. Yeah, I, I, so, I can totally see that happening. The yeah. problem was they didn't say that. They didn't yeah, do that I, in the movie. I, and I think especially because I'm a comic book, a quote unquote, comic book guy, um, I think comic book movies have gotten really bad about tell them, don't show them. So they'll so they'll do the, hey, this is the thing. And, and we, we want to make sure you get this. So as opposed to, hey, it's all on the screen. Just watch and pay attention. And um, to be fair, that is a really hard thing to do and to trust and to lean that out. And I don't yeah. mean to make that small, but also you're working in a multi-million dollar project. Suck it up. Yeah. You either bring the A game or you go find another job. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. So speaking of bringing A game, you know, when they got to the end of the TNG era mm-hmm. and got greenlit for for one one last ride, <laughs> which would end up being star trek enterprise i assume that this episode of enterprise is not your first episode of enterprise that you've ever no watched. no okay i've good. caught <laughs> other episodes here and there it just it was one of those it, it my, my childhood was weird in this respect you know but it was just tng was just the right time for me at that stuff right right so what were your thoughts before i uh forced you clockwork orange style to watch this episode of uh of enterprise what what were your thoughts about the franchise because it is a very it's a very polarizing well chapter in the franchise or at least it's you know <laughs> no 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 i'm not arguing with that it was for me for a guy who was not as die hard as everyone else is and mm. this will be this might be a little controversial for you i had forgotten about it i had forgotten about this one it's okay. not one that stands out yeah. Because there are many series for Star yeah. Trek that they've done, good and bad, yeah. to a certain extent. But it's just, if you're good, everyone will love you. If you're bad, everyone will remember you. If you're something in between, no one will. That's a good point. And I've spoken at length numerous times about the production of Enterprise because it kind of came at the end of the episodic era mm-hmm. of television. Yeah, strange but it, time. But it was right before the the serialized tv it, came back it, into in, into fashion and because it, because it was that like in the middle didn't it like yep, first two it, seasons and the last two seasons yeah the first two seasons are very much freak of the week type stuff and then season three and four are <clears> very you know you get your two parters your three episode arcs your four episode arcs and uh yeah it was all it was all, you know, they they had a high, a, a very high bar was set, not only by TNG, but Deep Space Nine and Voyager. It's and, not um, fair. It's, it's not fair to them tough. in the end. But at the same time, I, I, I try to feel compassion. Like, this is a hard job. Don't get me wrong. You have to follow up a great act and you're probably not going to follow up a great act. Yeah. And at the same time, I also say you get to make uh, Star Trek shows. My pity level is, you know, there's a cap. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's a cap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, yeah, it's kind of, you know. I, I've I've said a couple of times that you know the writing was shaky. I think is mm-hmm, a fair thing mm-hmm. to say. The writing was a little shaky. 
um, you know, watch. I, I, I do say for anyone who has not ventured into enterprise because of something they've heard from someone of like, oh, it's not good, blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's fair. Keep that, keep, but keep this in mind. The show is now 20 years old. Those episodes watch differently today than they did five, oh, 10, yeah. 15 years ago. Oh, yeah. And I, I think I have gotten much more out of them going through them in the 2020s than I did when I started watching it, even after it was off the air in 2006, 2007. Yeah. yeah. So it, there's so much that is, I mean, and TOS was the same way. Like, it was this little, you know, sort of niche thing that was kind of made on the cheap, but it was written really well. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people didn't really appreciate it until the late 70s, long after it was off the air. So maybe that's where some of the love, like if you poke around on social media with like, you know, enterprise fan clubs, like the fans of this show are hardcore and they still hold a little spot in their heart right next to, Hey, we might get another firefly entry. There's another one yeah, right next absolutely. to it. Going like, what if enterprise were to spot. get a fifth season? <laughs> you know, there is something, there is really truly something to that, you know? I've always wondered that. Like, to be fair, the first thing I wanted to say was those early two thousands was a really hard time for TV shows. Yeah, uh, with that transition with uh, to the uh, the serial show where you could watch off Netflix and you could see them in order. Yep. It's more like what made Game of Thrones possible. Um, where before that, it had to be episodic. Just it, it, uh, the the uh, the means is the, the medium is the message. Right. Uh, where it's like you were forced to do this, just what had to be done. A few tried, but it's just you couldn't break out of that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the Star Trek, I've seen this with Star Trek, with Firefly. And I would say uh, also, what, what was that other example? Uh, uh, Isaac Asimov um, and with uh, No Man's Scott. Uh, oh, and I would also say, uh, what's that stupid Kickstarter uh, from the freelancer guy? Uh, it's a it's a video game that's still being kickstarted for making spaceships in space. Uh, oh God, I'm gonna kill myself. If I don't remember this one. Oh my gosh, what what is killing me here? Star Citizen, Star Citizen. Okay. Okay. All of these things have something in common. They are deeply loved, even when they shouldn't be, like Star Citizen. Uh, they, it, it, they are deeply, deeply cared about. And I was thinking about this for the longest time. And I realized, even back with Asimov, these are the people who inspired our engineers, who gave them the idea that, hey, maybe this is possible, who helped flesh out that idea and show it to them, even if just in a fictional setting, like, hey, maybe we could do this. And because of these shows like Star Trek, Star Trek in particular, because it did it so very well in yeah. one of the first. It, it taught all of those engineering minds in our entire country and then the world, honestly, what if we could do this? And it expanded how they could see. And they stopped looking at small little things that they were always working on here and there. And they thought bigger and they looked to space and they said, if someone's going to go there, it's going to be people like us and there's no one else to do it. Yeah. And it, I love Star Trek. Even when I'm not, I can't t- name every captain and every crew member everywhere in every ship. I still love it for what it did to inspire those people like that. Very much. Yeah. I had a discussion with uh, a teacher and poet who came on the show, Moody Black, and we were uh, in our post-show discussion. We ended up talking about the difference 
between Star Wars and Star Trek. Sure. A great discussion. We were having this discussion about, you know, the the idea of like Star Wars versus Star Trek. And I was like, first of all, you, you can totally be a fan of both. I certainly am. Um, but, yes, but we naturally must compare the two. <laughs> but we must compare the two. Exactly. Uh, and I said, you know, I said after, you know, thought about this uh, topic a lot. Um, Star Wars is very much a coming of age story, you know, mm-hmm. and it's very uh, formative not only for the characters, but for sci-fi in general, especially around that time. Uh, It brought genre cinema kind of to the forefront of American pop culture again. And, uh, but it, it, but it's very formative. It's very much a coming of age story. So I think Star Wars helps you. And this, this thesis is not completely fully formed. So bear with me, but Star Wars helps you figure out who you are and Star Trek helps you figure out what to do or where to go it's kind of not a bad way of looking at it at all yeah it's kind of you know once you kind of figure out who you are as a person okay now we need to take this person and put them with other people and to form a society and you know to see how that plays out yeah no i'm totally with you on that one that's actually a really insightful way to look at that i that's that's good Um, I always uh, looked at it as uh, uh, Star Wars is fantasy in space. Star Mm -hmm. Trek is science fiction in space. Uh, Both are very different genres and different ideas on what they do and what they're supposed to be about. The fantasy being about the person, the individual, and going on that adventure to make something of your life and see what you could actually do. Face the danger, slay the dragon, get the princess sort of thing. Whereas uh, science fiction was always about what was possible. What uh, could we do? What would this, like a technology, an idea, or a, a social construct of blah, 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 blah. How would that play out? What yeah. would happen? Where would its flaws be? Right. It's, it's you know, I'm establishing this end and they have their end. So now we need to make them connect and mm-hmm. just... Yeah, uh, yeah, it's 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 really fascinating. So, uh, with this episode of Star Trek, we actually kind of get a glimpse from the past to the future in the past. <laughs> I gotta say, uh, hopping back onto this show after having not seen it for God knows how many years, I'm like, yeah. I looked at this episode and I thought, wow, he really does want me to be his best friend in DM because he gave me a really good episode. <laughs> it's really solid, and it's got uh, it's got really great uh it's it's got a really great switcheroo and i love I, i've talked about it um in episodes here more recently i love a good heist and mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. This and is high strewn through yeah and this mission is, impossible style yes absolutely in fact that gets mentioned by some of the critics uh and you know in looking at some of the D adventures that are out there i always felt like some of the best ones were kind of stylized in not just like oh we're gonna run into this cave and kill everything we see that's moving <laughs> yeah you know, it's, 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 it's something that's with straight up hack and slash yeah yeah just something with some puzzles and let's figure out how to get this thing and and get out alive you know it's the oh the heist I'm, is a beloved thing for a reason love a good heist uh it's Ocean's hard not 11. to yeah i oh gosh i could watch oceans 11 probably once a week yeah never get tired of it it's so uh that is again one of those truly greats truly yeah. greats have you seen logan lucky no i have not i am okay, aware go of watch it. logan lucky really uh it's the, done by the same director who did oceans 11 oh cool uh, it Soder- is uh, soderberg uh, mm-hmm. 
Nice. Um, okay. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and it is uh, it is basically Ocean's Eleven set at NASCAR. Oh, no. oh, you know what? I think I did see Loki. Now that you say it, I forgot the synopsis. Channing Tatum? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, Daniel uh, Craig sitting in the prison cell. The, the greatest moment. Incarcerated. <laughs> okay, you've seen it. Yeah, <laughs> one of the greatest moments of Daniel Craig. I'm like, wow, this guy is really, really, really good. A good actor. Yeah, he's really, really good. And like, so funny. Like, he's really funny. Um, him and uh, um, Jason Statham. Did you see Jason Statham in Spy? No, I don't think I actually did. Oh, man. It's uh, Melissa McCarthy, who she's a national treasure. I absolutely adore her. Um, but she is in this spy movie. And one of the people she has to work with is this kind of unhinged, like this this other oh, spy. Oh, I've has... heard of that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And, yes, uh, yes, yes. Jude Law is in it. There's a bunch. There's a bunch of really good people in it. But Jason Statham is just this bonkers unhinged agent who the 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 line i always remember is uh i had this arm torn off i sewed it back on with this arm (laughs) and and somebody and somebody mentions like hey that's a nice coat he's like i made it didn't i what (laughs) do you make your own clothes what's going on but he's like Um, he's a really funny guy the, the 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 heist man there is yes. very yeah i think one of the things that we really love about the heist is the audacity of what you're trying to tempt yes you know it's, it's such hard. a big thing it's clear a clear goal to go for which is a big thing to have in a story a very clear goal to know what we are wanting something that's just like this like we can't do that no one can do that and then you try and do it and yeah. try and pull it off this whole stratagem thing where they it, it, i was actually very impressed I'm like and i I was like, you know, this is this is really really good. Yeah. I'm like you are this is stupid. You should not be able to try and do this at all. Yeah, and, you know, the the whole I mean <clears throat> talking about talking about everyone on the ship cuz I I think Enterprise suffered from um a a, a focus a focus issue. They would focus on like one person at a time and everybody just kind of fell into the background. Um uh, but this was kind of a thing where for the plot, at least, everybody had a hand in it. Like Archer had his job to do. Trip and Travis had their thing. Like Doc Flox was very involved. Um, you know, to Paul, um, even uh, Hoshi, like they're all working to to make to pull you this know, off. That is one of the ensemble things you need to have. There was a show. I forget what it was called. It was I won't bother. But it was basically like everyone needs a job. A very clear-cut role. Why are you here? The five-man band does that brilliantly in storytelling. You have the main guy who's the hero. You have the person who is the heart and like the the moral compass. Uh, You have the person who's the heavy, who's really strong. You have the lancer who challenges the hero. And you have the smart guy who can answer questions that no one else would, no normal person would know. Right. There is a role there. In a heist, everyone has a job. I'm the bomb guy. I blow up the safe. I'm the cracker. I open up safe. I take care of security, tech, whatever it is. And it's so very funny how they're able to give everyone a role. It's like this. It just you, you, we're pulling off a heist, and everyone naturally okay. What's your role in this? I, <laughs> it's it's this. It's the magic of a good story. Exactly. And I think heists are just one of the best type. Yes, absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. And before we get into uh, further detail, let's get to this week's recap. Sure thing. <laughs> 
Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. UPN Wednesday on an all-new Star Trek Enterprise. The first shot has been fired. Weapons fired. It's the human vessel. In the battle to save Earth. You'll never get close to the weapon! And a terrifying look at what might be the future. Your people destroyed my planet. Star Trek Enterprise. Three years in. The future! Archer and Degra, the scientists behind the Zindi Weapon Project, are aboard a shuttle escaping from an insectoid prison camp. Degra can't remember his time as Archer's cellmate and friend and remains suspicious despite having a prison tattoo and long graying hair. Archer convinces him that this memory loss is due to the blood worms in his system and removes a live worm from Degra's arm. They are, in fact, inside a simulator aboard Enterprise. And the whole setup is a ploy to learn where the weapon is being constructed. Degra and his crew had been captured near the test site of the weapon. The worm was inserted by Doc Phlox, and the fake ship was constructed by the crew. The ruse is partially successful, and Degra reveals info about his family and inputs coordinates into the navigation system. He later becomes suspicious after a malfunction in which one of the windows of the simulator briefly glitches due to ship-wide power fluctuations and attacks Archer. This leaves Archer with a dilemma. Traveling to the red giant star, Azadi Prime, would take them three weeks, time they don't have to waste on a wild goose chase. Instead, they again deceive Degra into thinking that they have used Zindi warp technology to open subspace vortices and trick him into thinking that they have already arrived at the coordinates. Degra shouts that they will never be able to breach the base's defenses, thus proving that the coordinates do in fact relate to the weapon. In a final deception, Degra and his crew are mind-wiped and returned to their ship. Well, la-dee-frickin-da! So, I got, I, you know, one of the things that has always impressed me about D&D, um, and not to sound too much like a noob, but especially Critical Role, um, Don't worry about is it. the ability for a DM to not only embody a character, but to sustain that character, no matter the response from the players. And that, and we, and we get that here for the duration of the episode, for the most part, Mm -hmm. have have you had issues with uh, being able to sustain character or dealt with problem players who (laughs) don't take up their character at all? (laughs) Well, I don't have that second problem. Luckily, uh, I have a really good group of guys nice. and like everyone's there's there's kind of this unspoken contract when you come to a table, especially with friends, like you're here to do this, right. you know, when we're not going to. And it's very rare where we actually say something really stupid and out of character. Uh, like once I did say uh, like they didn't want to take hippogriffs flying somewhere because it was too expensive. And it, was, you know, it, just, it would cost too much. It wasn't efficient. I'm like, I don't come here on Friday nights to sit around a table with a bunch of smelly nerds to do things that are efficient with my life. I do them to fly hippogriffs. (laughs) Nice. Oh, (laughs) but you know, other than that, I rarely ever break character in something. It's fun. Half the time you're chatting with your friends and half the time you just jump into the character. Critical role is brilliant for always, uh, it's designed to be watched. They're always doing this. This is four hours of them 
giving a show for you guys. Yeah. Uh, Matt Mercer is it. When you are the DM, keeping character can be hard because, and you don't, it, you're not required to do it 100% perfectly because if you don't smile, smirk, and giggle at the stupid things they do, it, it's like you don't acknowledge it. And that's half the fun. Right, right. Um, but I love, love, love having uh, my characters. Uh, when, when then they inevitably say like flippantly, just literally flip the bird to the villain, uh, have the villain react to that. That's fun. Yeah, that's 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 a good part. Uh, and though it might not let you have the villain you wanted to have with the you know play out the way you did, if you want to play out the way you did, go write a novel. Right. Uh, in, when you're at the table, it, you you give them someone to hate and mock and you know throw apples at. <laughs> that's a good yeah then throw apples at i love that yeah yeah you're absolutely right and uh we've seen we've talked over the last few episodes especially you know here in season three we are really seeing the desperation of archer uh as he is desperate to save earth because that's what's at stake like they already uh -huh. showed up once and hit it with a laser beam and killed millions of people although they're floridians and we don't really care about them so much but they killed a bunch of floridians and uh and you know trip's sister so like there's this added thing of like you hurt my, you hurt my friend so um sure you know with this and mom's really upset about that yeah yeah <laughs> exactly and so now we see all right we've been trying to fight fire with fire let's try to you know what they seem to be one step ahead of us let's put all of our brains together because they're not they're not dummies. They're, you know, nope. they're all pretty smart. You know, as somebody, uh, I remember I was given a hard time when we did our fantasy, our fantasy draft episode where mm -hmm. I had a bunch of, I don't know if you saw that in looking around at the episodes, but we did a, I thought you had one. I didn't actually check it. Yeah. We, I didn't get to that. We, one. uh, we, we, uh, had a few of the regular guests come on and we did sort of a fantasy draft where you drafted your crew based out of like the main star trek characters and it was a lot of fun but when i set up the when i set up the positions to draft for i didn't have a science officer and i got so much grief for not having a science officer and i all i did was lean in and go they're all scientists they're all science officers <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's all science <laughs> they're like no you but know, you gotta you gotta have i was like oh, first of all you go form your own game <laughs> start your own podcast <laughs> that's a good point that is a good point actually <laughs> but yeah uh you know it's uh it, so all that to say is that these people aren't stupid but they've been trying to muscle their way through this like you you see that and you see that in in uh in campaigns and stuff like that of like hey we can just we can just fight our way through it's like hold on if you stop and think all you might have to do is say a particular phrase and this baddie will become an ally or help you in some way. Or, you know what, rather than trying to kick down the door, there's a button, just push the button and something else will open and you can go that way. Like you're wasting time. You're going to die. Just stop and think. I, when I was a cop, I used to tell people that all the time, especially when I worked at a college, worked with these, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 year olds, these kids. And I was like, Hey, look, do yourself a favor. Stop and think. <laughs> Trying to impart that to everyone I ever in encountered in my law enforcement career. Stop and think you'll save yourself so much hassle. If you just stop and think. Uh, it's 
some things just seem really more important at the time. You know what I, I mean? <laughs> it's oh, easier it's, said it's than strange. done for sure. <laughs> it's strange in D and D actually, because there is a, a, a big part of it. And not to get too far from the episode here, but there's a big part of it that is about the, yes, maybe they could uh, convince the baddie to be on their side or get some help out of it some other way, but they have to think that's possible. And I see it way too often. DM, I, I, I say it over and over again. It's never stops being true. DMing is really hard. Yes. It's really hard. <laughs> yeah. The difference between a guy who can run the game and a guy who can run a good game is about a mile and a half. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is, they have to believe that they can do that. Well, maybe someone tries something minor and stupid at some point it wrote in a more role-playing respect, but it's stupid. So, you know, it goes poorly for them. Well, because they did that, all they took away from that and learned was if I try and do something outside of the hack and the slashing, it's going to fail. And so they stopped trying to do that. Right. It is brutal when you have someone who's really getting into it and really trying and they suck at it. Because you're like, I want to reward you for doing this and I will give you something. And that's often how I, you, you do it. Well, is you give them something, just not what they were looking for. Yes. Uh, so, you know, you, you give them a little bit of a, a carrot with that stick. Yeah. I think, you get, I think there's also, uh, and you probably know more about this than I do. I've heard of it. I've heard it spoken uh, in hushed tones around the internet. Uh, the rule of cool of like, you know, oh God. you know, it's like, okay, we're not going to do this all the time, but if you've got that one person that sucks and they're consistently, they're just, oh man, they're just rolling less than five, maybe not a one, but they're, they're just rolling bad and making bad decisions. If they keep trying stuff, eventually you'll get to a point where it's like, you know what? I'm going to allow this because <laughs> this person needs a moment. <laughs> we need to give them something. Do you, have you, have you had any instances? Have you had any big moments like that where you've gotten to fudge the dice a little bit and just kind of make it so that, Hey, look, we're all here to have a good time. <laughs> you know, um, it is, uh, it, and this might be from DM to DM mm. and it might be a personal style. It's what you do and how, and some of it's just a, a judgment call on your part. Yeah. The rule of cool weighs heavy at my table uh, because if it's cool enough, I want it to happen too. Uh, and the cool stuff is the reason we're here yeah, in the end. Yeah. Um, but of course, there's also, you have to have a cap on that because you don't want to turn into Looney Tunes, unless that's your goal, in which case, by all means. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I've, I've fudged a few rolls on my end when it would just be like, yeah, I'll toss a crit. I, I do that occasionally because it would be unfair, you know? Um, when you crit on the player's side, it's a way to celebrate. When you crit on the... Uh, dm side just like ooh, maybe i shouldn't yeah <laughs> uh it, it, it's a it's a it's a minor thing dms do but it, it it helps make the game a bit better uh to me when some guy can't roll above a five that's just all the more fun <laughs> <laughs> because we never get tired of watching homer fall down the stairs yeah ever yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you have someone who fails and then fails and then fails and fails and fails and fails, it just becomes funnier and funnier and funnier because eventually i just let it roll because eventually the dice will roll a 20 yeah and you get to be your moment of triumph how you persevered through failure 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 and then you won and that sums up life yeah oh gosh yeah and hell danny ocean gave a very similar speech because the house always wins play long enough you never change the stakes the house takes you unless when that perfect hand comes along you bet big and then you take the house i always i wonder if starfleet has deception 101 
of like, hey, look, there's a good chance you're going to get captured by somebody. You, you either got to trick them or convince them that you don't know, or maybe that you do know whatever it is to stay alive. You know, they say that there is uh, three things that make up uh, an army needs, uh, a military needs to wage war. Okay. They need to be able, they need guns, they need information, and they need communication. You, uh, you, if, if you don't have one of those things, you're not waging war. Uh, and information is often one of those things that's kind of funny. Uh, it, it, it's not a real thing that exists in front of you that you can hold, but it's very real and very important. Mm. But it always has a shelf life. Yeah. Um, and it, it, no matter what setting you're in, fantasy, uh, tribal times, modern times, or Star Trek, information is information. Yeah. And it never really changes. It's still it, it's the same thing it's always been, and you always need it. Um, you always, always need spies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's why I think, mm-hmm. you know, probably probably one of the more dangerous people on the Avengers is Black Widow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Super She's the only dangerous. one who plays the yeah. who plays the information game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really? I oh man. Yeah, it's so it's that's really fascinating to think about. I uh mm-hmm. so Getting back into the into this episode, and we spoke uh, at great length about our love for uh, Jean-Luc Picard and Patrick Stewart. Is there anybody that if you had to hand the gold star to on Enterprise, who would it be? I'd, I'd be doing it to the captain after this one, man. Yeah. Because it was, it was single-handedly his, everyone had a role in that heist, but it was on his shoulders. Yeah. The whole thing was his. Yeah. And I was like, I was watching, I'm like, this is really well done. I like I was watching it through and through. This is well done. Yeah. The story, the 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 the, the uh, watching it just play out the beginning, how the epic the 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 story that as it builds. Mm-hmm. Watching him uh, lie and make up stuff, uh, and uh, then watching them cut to the part where they just uh, go. They they uh, it's a it's a flashback of three days where they say, "Here's all the things that have happened that led up to this and how we did this." Yep. And then they they were playing it out, and then I particularly love watching it actually fall apart on them. Because the TV screen flickers. One, I was laughing my butt off as if there was a single TV screen in the world that can be replaced space. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Like, you know, I don't care how good your holodeck is. I don't think that the people who went up in the actual enterprise and looked out into space and then had their life changed by that can say, oh, yeah, that 90s television set you have in front of that totally pulls it off. Exactly. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could not get enough of that. And then I also loved when they actually showed them on the ship in the docking bay. Uh-huh. And it had they were using hydraulics on it and everything. And I'm like, ah, so you use the same technology you use when your own ship gets hit. Exactly. <laughs> so everyone, because it would be awkward if you just turned to the other guy, okay, we've been shot. We need you to move around some. Just shake back and forth. Yeah. Like, kind of ruins the immersion. <laughs> yeah, they did everything except have trip on a headset. I'm like, and boom. <laughs> rattle and boom again <laughs> i love that part i love that part so much um and then it, of course it still had the early 2000s terrible uh, uh sci-fi we don't actually understand how technology works moment of we went into the radiation field and that messed with the hydraulics yeah and when i heard that line i thought you don't know how either of those two things work do you right, right. <laughs> That's and here's the thing, you know that they get NASA engineers, and this is this is their retirement gig. 
That's what they do. When you retire from NASA, you go work on Star Trek. And it makes me think that 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 part of the script slid across the consultant's desk and they went, yeah, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it'll work. (laughs) It's so weird because it also depends entirely upon how much is really... People say they do things, but like, how much do you really do it sometimes, you know? Right. Uh, my wife and I love the show Burn Notice. It is a good show. It's been a while, but I, I but it's got Bruce Campbell. Yeah, it has Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Always. Oh, he's so good. Yeah. Um, but it, the whole show is just a spy thing. It's about a, a spy. And he basically explains he uses the skills of a spy and what it's like. And he uses in these white knight situations where he's helping people. Of course. It's really, really good. It's MacGyvering it up, basically. Yeah. But it's like they had spy consultants who told them what it's like to be a spy and at no point does it seem like they're not being spies and they're being clever and manipulative and using all the techniques and and just describing the problems that they kind of have but they they took those and they made them work into a story and this one i can't help but think you need something to go wrong and radiation is a problem so radiation makes our hydraulics go wrong and i'm like were the consultants out at lunch (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we just got too far along. I don't have time. Yeah, right? exactly. Oh, I'm, I'm hoping to catch uh, Patrick Stewart. He's going to do a signing soon, and I really want to be there for that. <laughs> and it's just one of those moments. I'm like, you have your moments. Yes, you really do. But so much of it was so good. Yeah, it's a you know, really I, solid I, episode. <laughs> I, I love making fun of the parts that don't work, and uh, but the setup, the 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 payoff they got just a little bit of information that was pretty well done and then the glitch that they didn't see and i really love that the uh the the doctor whose name i just forgot my mind doc flock Flock. thank you yeah yeah. um i love that he saw he saw the screen out of the corner of his eye yeah so he wasn't certain it was real and i'm like oh that's good yeah that's really good because if he just it happened in front of him or it happened behind him. Eh, the corner of your eye, though, where things aren't don't really exist. He's questioning so many things already. I know, and, and it's then, so good. Yeah, that and then uh, that that's yeah, one moment. thing. I it's, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but it that, no, that's go, go, one go, go, thing. Go. That's one thing that Enterprise has really done so well is over over these two and a half seasons that we've watched so far is play with the idea of paranoia. And, um, you know, is, is this thing that I'm seeing again, because this is the first deep space mission is the NX-01. They are trying to figure out like, is this real? How do I interact with this? Is this, is this a real, is this going to kill me? It's not, it's, it says it's friendly. Okay. Oh, oh, Travis is hung up in a room. We got to go free our helmsman. (laughs) One of the things I I truly love that I try and think about a lot is uh and, and i don't mean politics by this but i mean the actual idea of what truly is liberal and truly is conservative what that's actually mean oh yeah and the best i've ever heard was actually from peterson uh but it was that i kind of grabbed the idea that the 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 conservative is the part that's trying to conserve what is and maintain it okay the liberal part is looking for what is new and good and to bring that in so they're experimenting with crazy things the problem is that can get you killed yeah you can bring in bad things yeah and the conservatives are always trying to filter out all the bad stuff while the the liberal part is trying to bring in as much stuff as it possibly can and it's constant tension and i love that when they actually pay attention to that because 
art is done by the liberal half of the mind as well. So when they write these things, they're not thinking of the conservative side of, oh, yeah, I should make certain we don't die. Yeah. Uh, but when you do include that, the paranoia, the, the, the concern, the uncertainty that is not truly there when you're writing something down on pages for a script, yeah. but is there in reality the fear of something bad could happen oh, yeah. and like bad that you don't recover from bad? Oh, yeah. Like and they if when you get that, when you really get that, I love that the problem they had in this show, in this episode was that, OK, we found the Red Dwarf. It could be the place. It's three weeks to get there. Yeah. Time is a currency we don't have a lot of. Yep. And we don't have three weeks to spare there and then three weeks wherever else. Yeah. Like that is a legitimate constraint and concern. Time is a problem. Uh, a lot of the uh, shows, you want to do a really good show, have them constraint of money. That's a very real constraint that people can really relate to. Oh, yeah. But it's rarely ever used in media. Best example being Name of the Wind, a book by Patrick Rothfuss. Mm does money brilliantly also does the art of music brilliantly does both of them in the same book it's insane nice but these constraints the things that hold you together you're on a time limit you don't have long before these his alien buddies show up so you know pick up the pace yeah. an excellent you ever want to have a good story for what you're doing take what you're doing and put it on a timer and like okay uh let's pick up the pace here yep. take gambles risks we shouldn't take sort of thing oh yeah it was it was brilliant you couldn't afford to fail you can't afford to stay here too long. It's the pressure is coming down on them. And then they they play one more gamble on a larger scale and it pays off. Yep. And it's it's not 100% certain, but it's enough that makes you feel confident. Yeah. I thought that was brilliant. Well, I think, absolutely brilliant and, all the way through. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons I think that's one of the reasons Bones McCoy is so beloved. Uh he's he's the counterbalance to most of the rest of the crew where I mean, oh yeah and he oh yeah he says it's so, you know carl urban did such a great job in the jj abrams stuff and you know especially in his he was really good yeah especially establishing himself as bones of like space is death and disease and darkness is it's like okay so he's bones mccoy <laughs> but yeah it, you know, he you, was so perfect for that he did it so well yeah if everybody is so gung-ho and we're just and we're just you know then there's no there's no there's no realization of the stakes there's no realization of the limits and if we're going to exceed we have to know what we are exceeding so you have to have that you have to have that counter you have to have that baseline i'll say i won't say counterbalance but a baseline of like okay this is this is it this is the thing we actually have to go much further so when we do it's it's all the more impressive yeah. and your heroes are heroic <laughs> it truly is you know it's really weird people say uh, it, 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 like in D&D they want to have a free world they can go roam around and do all these things they say it in video games no you don't no, you, don't. you yeah. don't want that at all it's boring as crap yeah there's nothing wrong with um, the side scrolling the, <laughs> uh, the artist doesn't want to be limited he wants to have i have i can do whatever i'm like sure and it's gonna suck your limits define you yeah they, they, what you you cannot be great if there's not a great is not like a fence separating you from great exactly that you have to get over uh -huh. um it, it's a it's a hard thing to realize and it, but it's so well done when it's pulled off and i just watched this episode I'm like wow over and over again i was really really impressed hydraulics radiation aside uh <laughs> <laughs> we just did like ah oh, yes the early 2000s sci-fi oh yeah um, <laughs> um the only regret i had from this episode 
and like really the only one was they didn't get to get into the philosophical implications of what they did which is where star trek often really shines yeah. the manip the level of manipulation the great star trek episode the five lights with picard yes All right in the end they're kind of doing that to someone else it follows the same philosophical path you are doing this to someone else to force them to do something against their will you're going to call yourself the good guy doing that well you're trying to stop evil space nazis from blowing up a planet so right. kind of yeah you are yeah uh, but it's not a good thing in particular yeah but it's also not like a violent one where you're killing them or anything like that in the end you return them to their ship and leave them which is also kind of a mind trip in and of itself oh yeah <laughs> i was just like i had the weirdest dream and you were uh -huh. there and you were there and you were there <laughs> and then a human was there and there was, and a was human. there was very small <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know and looking at uh and looking at all that stuff it's oh gosh it's so fascinating um yeah with uh you know we've talked at great length about everything that the crew did right and you know some things that maybe the writers or the consultants got wrong but uh let's go ahead and move into our section that we've loving lovingly titled who do we blame this episode, uh, the story was done by Terry Metalis. Uh, his last uh, work was season three, episode five. That was Impulse, which we actually discussed with the creator of the Star Trek chronology project, Jason Keener, back on episode 50. Uh, the teleplay was penned by Michael Sussman, whose last work was season three, episode eight, Twilight, which was directed by Robert Duncan McNeil, a.k.a. Tom Paris. And we discussed that with Drew Burris on uh, from the More You Nerd podcast and Cosmic Crit. Uh, this episode was directed by Mike Vahar, uh, whose uh, last episode was just released earlier today. Uh, season three, episode 11, Carpenter Street, which we discussed with comedian and podcaster Dave Baker. And with the guest stars, we've got a few, but most notably returning once again as Degra is Mr. Randy Oglesby. He does some fantastic work, especially in this episode, playing off of Archer, uh, Scott Bakula rather. And, um, you know, I recently sung the praises of the episode earlier in the show, earlier in the franchise, um, Detained, where uh, Archer and Mayweather get sent to a internment camp that is run by Dean Stockwell famously from quantum leap and it was so much fun to see scott bacula and dean stockwell together again but this time not as friends they were at each other's throats and you could tell it was just two actors just having the time of their lives um but all that to say like archer's no slouch and you know what randy went uh or bacula's no slouch and randy went toe-to-toe -to -toe with him they 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 were at each other and they had this back and forth where it was I was, you know, look, I know that there's a fourth season, things are going to be okay, but like, there was a question of like, are they going to be able to pull this off? And boy, they sure did. It was so great. Uh, in 2021, the Digital Fix praised actor Randy Oglesby depiction of the character Degra, as I just uh, finished mentioning. Michelle Erica Green of Trek Nation was positive about the episode, uh, and she compared it to, like we mentioned earlier, Mission Impossible in space. This really rings true of like those first two mission impossible movies where at any moment somebody could just peel off their face and it's tom cruise <laughs> uh, but yeah darren uh mooney of the movie blog was positive uh, about 
how the showrunners stayed more disciplined with the overarching plot line with the Zindi conflict. Um, Brian at Bureau 42 sarcastically asked, two weeks in a row for staying on track with the story? Someone tied up Berman and Braga, didn't they? Which uh, Rick Berman and uh, Brandon Braga have gotten a fair share of grief, especially for Enterprise. But yeah, this this is one of those episodes that, yeah, this this is a banger. It's really, really good. And then the Vulcan database uh, reviewed the episode and called it a fantastic episode marred somewhat by a lackluster final act. And I got to say, I disagree. I thought the reveal uh, on the bridge was so was so satisfying. <laughs> I, I really thought they did such a fantastic job with that. I, I could kind of understand that part a little bit. You know, maybe it could make it punch and hit a little harder, but it was really good. You know, it was it was it was good. Yeah, it was a solid. It, it, it's like. I'm a big guy on endings. I love the ending. I know the ending before the beginning, usually. Mm. Uh, and because the ending is what sticks with you, oh, really. Yeah. But And I could kind of understand what you'd say about the ending on this one. Like, it's not quite as powerful as the time as him in the shuttle there. Uh, you know, tried it. It's it's not quite as hits as hard there. But it's, yeah, it's still pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so let's go ahead and uh, we've sung the praises of this episode, but the big question remains, is this essential viewing? Is this essential viewing for someone who is sitting down to watch this franchise for the first time? Is this an episode that they can't miss? Yes, essential viewing. Uh, definitely. Uh, it, it, it's hard to say this of shows before about the mid 2010s, but uh, they are there's a lot of filler in yeah. these shows, singular episodes that don't matter. They don't change the characters. The status quo right. remains the same. Uh, this is clearly, and it was always a pleasure in those times to catch the episode that would change something, move it forward. Like you'd be like, Ooh, this is a treat. This is what yes. we want. This is important. This is clearly important. Uh, and this is one of those episodes that they, if you were to trim down a series to just the essential stuff, you couldn't trim this. Yeah, I think so. Especially uh, when juxtaposed with all the episodes, gosh, most of the rep- rest of the episodes that have come before in season three, uh, mostly showing Archer's descent into uh, a descent into madness, a descent into desperation. Um, it's becoming it's it was becoming sort of the one note like, yep, Archer's mad. OK, we get it. Yeah. Oh, what's this one? Oh, turns out Archer's mad. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we were getting a lot of those. Yeah. So it's finally, it's nice to finally see like, oh, okay. So they are going to do something. They're going to switch up their tactics a little bit and try to think their way out of this rather than try to muscle them. And uh, yeah, I think that, I think it really worked out well. And yeah, I, you know, we had this discussion when I was about to start uh, asking the question essential viewing i've always kind of been of the mind that for an essential viewing list you actually kind of need to start at the end and kind of work your way backwards uh so you know and yeah analyzing it as we are working our way forwards especially at this point this early in the franchise uh and when i say early in the franchise i mean in the overall timeline of the narrative but uh yeah this i think this one i think you absolutely because not only not only do we get a great reveal not only is it finally a departure from the one note archer has been playing this whole season but we get to see the crew we get to see the crew perform as a crew and that's what we've that's a big deal yeah it really is. is um even no matter how small the part you play you should have a 
it's important to have that there. Otherwise, why are exactly. you there? And you don't have to be there for every episode or something like that, but you should have a point. Um, I actually call the one note problem the Rand problem because of uh, the Wheel of Time, <laughs> the main character. You ever read the book? No, no, I haven't. But yeah, um, he uh, towards the later parts of the book, he becomes like the most he's the main character and he's the most uninteresting character in the entire series because he's just he's just being hammered and hammered and hammered and hammered like unfairly like he's just trying to take on way more than he possibly can he's too young he's too inexperienced and he's just getting hammered 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 and he's just getting darker and darker and darker and darker and the whole point of that was that the the, the great evil of the time in the series is trying to break yeah. him and like okay that's kind of fair it's also really yeah. boring yeah <laughs> because he just becomes a one-note character of Dallas. Yeah. oh man well uh any final thoughts about this episode about enterprise as a whole about the franchise as a whole about your experience here on computer resume podcast <laughs> i really enjoyed talking with you about this Me too. I, star trek will always be that thing that always inspired the engineering mind yeah. to me and I, I i there's not a single engineer i know and i know quite a few that do not just have this like you said, a special place in their heart for Star Trek, whatever yeah. it is, and get upset when it's done poorly or something like that. Because it, when done well, it inspired them to something unheard of, unknown. Yeah. So, like their minds expanded, and our world and the things we got from it, I could draw a direct line to Star Trek and what oh, it did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's umpteen articles and YouTube videos of like, Hey, look, they had this technology on Star Trek in the 60s and in the 80s. We have it today. Like, yeah. Because they thought, of, they it thought of it. <laughs> yeah. And then they shared that and then everyone saw it and they're like, oh. And then eventually one of those people yes, made it. Absolutely. And they there's just inspired without <laughs> breaks. You're like, you know what? It's we've got mm -hmm. we've got a gas pedal. It's all we need. And it, yeah. honestly and well a different way to say that is they boldly go and you know that's mm -hmm. a big part of that is boldly go my one when i finished a uh i finished a script uh, i had it was something i had been working on you know for a long long time the wife actually got me this really nice star trek uh tie pin and uh she had it monogrammed and it said and it says uh it says boldly go and i was just like Oh, babe, we're going to be together forever. <laughs> but uh, gosh, no, boldly go. You got it right in one there, man. Yeah, That's the theme. exactly. So thank you so much. This has been an absolute blast talking with you. I can't wait to you know, chat a little bit more after we roll the credits. But uh, next week, we will be joined by the author and illustrator of Star Trek steampunk parody from Antarctic Press, Mr. Brian Denham to discuss Enterprise Season 3, Episode 15, Harbinger, which, of course, is available exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Josiah. I can't what wait. I can't it's, wait. It's going to be fun. Mm. When I found, because I, you know, part of what we're doing with this show is integrating the, uh, is integrating a few, very few select comics. And when I stumbled across Airship Enterprise, I was like, I toiled a long time. I was like, oh, do we include this on the timeline or do I just try to get the author for an interview or, you know, what do we do? And I was like, okay, let's stay, <laughs> let's stay the course. We're just going to have him on as a guest and plug the hell out of the book. <laughs> but uh, speaking of plugs, where can people 
find things you're working on and support you. I think you've got a thing going on called Verge Games. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. We do have a thing called Verge <laughs> Games. That's where I make the D&D adventures and we post them up online for people to purchase. Whether physical or digital, we have a vergegames.org uh, for anything you need. We uh, got us our, on Facebook and Instagram under uh, Verge Games KC. You can shoot us a message through there and no problems. And uh, uh, where can people bother you directly on the internet? Uh Honestly, through either of those two, I'm I'm the one, I'm normally trying to answer people that stuff all the time. I really really enjoy talking to the people who uh, play the adventures. It's a it's an absolute treat, honestly. I find people who like like I love this and I'm like thank you, <laughs> and I am at- <laughs> and feel awkward. <laughs> no, no, that's wonderful. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials from all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you at ten forward. Bye now. Like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop, and our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume Podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?